Hi everyone, my name is Alexander Lescott and you are listening to Real Talk Guidance, a place for hope, hard truths, and tough love. We are offering guidance to first-generation immigrants who need a little push in order to achieve their goals. So today we're gonna talk about an awesome topic. It's inspiration fueling innovation in a modern world in motion, the human touch. So like you can see right now, the world is changing rapidly and people are struggling to find their footing. With emerging technologies and artificial intelligence and e-commerce, nowadays everyone is asking to think outside the box because we have to reinvent ourselves. But we don't really know in what box we are to think outside of. So right now they're asking from us creativity, they're asking inspiration, they're asking innovation. And I think it is important to stay competitive for the future and to keep being high contributors to society. So today I have Valérie Emparado that is going to help me discuss this topic. So Valérie is an attorney and artist, born Anne-Valérie Prosper in Haiti. Valérie moved to the US at 11 months old. From the age of three to 14, she attended the French international school, Lycée Rochambeau. She then moved to South Africa, then to Kenya. Later, she moved back to New York by herself, where she attended NYU uh, University and uh, NYU, where she studied political theory. After college, Valérie attended Harvard Law School with the hopes of becoming a, an international human rights lawyer. During that time, Valérie began painting in order to manage the stress of law school and insomnia. Valérie is now a civil rights lawyer and investigates allegations of discrimination, harassment, and sexual violence for Brandeis University. She is also an artist and has shown her work in several galleries and the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, Massachusetts, the 17th largest art museum in the world. And she has painted murals in Quincy, the Boston Seaport, and Harvard Square. You can currently see Valerie's work on Instagram at VPY underscore visual art. And you can also see her work on a mural in the center of Harvard Square. I invite everyone to like her page on Instagram and follow her at VPY underscore visual art. Alexander, it's actually VP underscore visual art. I might have put a typo in there. Sorry about that. No problem. <laughs> so VP, yeah. Valérie Prosper, underscore yeah. visual art. There it is. Perfect. Thank you, Valérie. So I'm going to let you, Valérie, uh, talk about your life story, your life's journey, yeah. and uh, explain a little bit how did you get uh, to where you are today? Totally. Well, thank you for that introduction. And um, I'm so happy to be speaking with you and um, with everybody listening. Um, so as Alexandre had mentioned, I am from Haiti, was born there. Both of my parents are Haitian um, and they were both professors in Haiti. Um, and my dad was also an engineer when they decided to move to the U.S. So the plan was really to move to the U.S. for like a couple of years. The political situation was heating up a little bit in Haiti. Um, and so they decided to move to the U.S. My dad got an opportunity to work in an international organization and I was almost one and my brother was four when we moved here. 
Um, and then unfortunately, things just never really got better in Haiti and there was never really an opportunity for my parents to move back. So we were raised in Maryland, shout out to Potomac, um, until a, about early high school. I went to Lycée Rochambeau, as you said, was in the French school. And then my dad's job took us to South Africa. So it's kind of like a huge culture shock. Talk about kind of finding creative ways to reshape your life. Um, my brother went to college at that time, so he stayed in the U.S., and I moved with my parents to South Africa. A year later, we moved to Kenya, so we kind of had to reinvent things all over again. Um, and then after high school, I kind of had to decide, did I want to go to college in France or did I want to go to the U.S.? And so made a decision I want, wanted to go to the U.S. I wanted to be in New York, literally, because I went there once in sixth grade and thought it was the best thing ever. And I applied to NYU because it had New York in the name. So, you know, this is really kind of back in the day. I, I wasn't doing college visits, you know, I was living far away. Um, so I just, I knew that's what I wanted. And um, by the grace of God, I got in, studied political theory, as you had mentioned, really left it there. Um, and while I was there, I actually was a paralegal and a translator at an immigration um, law firm, a tiny immigration law firm that mostly did asylum work and refugee work. And so while I was there, I kind of really felt like, yo, this is what I want to do. You know, like I want to help people and I want to end up being an attorney and really representing people in an, in international human rights eventually, but really marginalized people and people who have had power taken away from them in so many different ways. And I just felt like I was so lucky with all of the opportunities that my parents had provided for me and the way that my my life turned out. Most of our clients were Black women um, from third world countries, and most of them were my age. And they really had so much, like, way harder circumstances by luck, right? Like, they, it's just the opportunities their parents had, they didn't get to come to the U.S. or they didn't get to, you know, um, be in a place where they had as many chances as I had to to get educated, to do all of these things. So I really kind of felt like an extra burden um, and, and honor and duty to to serve people, um, immigrants, people like me who who didn't get all of the chances that I got. Um, so I went, went to, and, and decided to apply to law school by the grace of God, got into Harvard um, and actually really loved law school. I know that's like a super nerdy thing to say, but I had a really good time and met some of my best friends ever um, and, you know, studied hard, loved the law. I did the whole law firm thing for a few years that a lot of people do, did some international arbitration work, worked at Cleary Gottlieb in New York, uh, moved to Boston when I got married. I met my husband while I was in law school. He's a professor, not, was never my professor. I would like to state for the record. <laughs> he is not a professor of law. He was not my professor. He just happens to be a professor. Absolutely. Uh, and so when we got married, I moved back, back to Boston where I live now. Um, did a few different things, but I'm now a civil rights lawyer, like you said. And so I'm, I'm not doing international human rights work, but I do feel like I get to really work on um, issues affecting the marginalized people in the U.S. Um, and people who get treated differently and get discriminated against and get harassed because of their gender or their sexuality or their race or their immigration status. Um, so I would say I'm pretty happy with the work that I do now. Absolutely. And, um, and, and it's yeah. pretty inspiring 
and and yeah. it's great work and it takes courage in order to actually be able to hear those stories and still stay strong because it takes a toll on 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 the soul you know hearing all yeah. of those stories and having empathy and still be able to be strong in order to help them so this is yeah, this is thanks. awesome yeah absolutely i mean i think that you do learn you have to take extra care of yourself when you do this kind of work because there's thing is like secondary trauma right so like hearing a lot of hard stuff every day um it does take a toll on you but um i feel super honored to get to do the work absolutely and at the same time it's it's weird because when i look at your um instagram page or facebook yeah. page i i see another like part of you that that artistic part that is really yeah. strong also you know you are a great lawyer but you are a great artist at the same time Thank so you. i want to understand you're welcome the, the the journey into being an artist because from what i've seen like you have matured as an artist you are a mature artist so how like what what's the journey with, with that part of you yeah yeah totally um so you know i was always a pretty creative person as a kid Um, and I did a lot of art stuff with my mom when I was little, but really nothing, you know, serious or real. And like as a as a fellow Haitian, you may know, you know, your your parents generally don't really play that that art game as far as a career. You know, they're basically like, listen, girl, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be an engineer. You know, those are really your options. I don't know what you're talking about. So I kind of knew early on, you know, being the children, the child of of Haitians, um, that. You know, I I wasn't going to kind of go into an artistic field professionally, or at least I thought. And then when I was in law school, I actually had really bad insomnia. Part of it was um, definitely because of the stress. Part of it was just, I don't know, that's the way I am. And so I kind of got bored being awake and staring at the ceiling. Um, and so I started taking up art again, um, really just as a way to relax myself. And it was really um, just for me, you know? And then as time went on, I had way too much art in my tiny apartment and decided, okay, well, maybe I'll try to show this stuff, right? Like share it with other people. Let, let's see, let's see what happens. So I kind of started out um, living, you know, being in Massachusetts, kind of sh sharing my star stuff in little cafes and, um, you know, little art shows, local things here and there. And it really kind of grew from there. And it was something that I never stopped doing because I do have this, this creative side that I felt was, um, you know, really important to, to who I am. And I think I really resonate a lot when you're talking about innovation and finding ways to pivot. I think I realized I am more than one thing and there is no reason to kind of cabin yourself to, to, to one thing. And so like the art thing started going well with Instagram and kind of the advent of social media and being able to share your work with more and more people. Um, I started showing my work. I was doing it all the time anyway. So I started showing my work, sharing it, and then it kind of took off. Like I set up a website and set up, you know, ways for people to buy my work. And um, then I got some opportunities through people seeing my work, being like, hey, would you be interested in, in painting a mural for this or for that? Um, so then I, I started having those opportunities. I always have my signature on my murals as my Instagram handle. And so I started getting a lot more followers that, that way as well and kind of being plugged into the, the art community. And so, yeah, now it's like a big part of, of my life and actually something I make 
a good amount of money from, which is weird and was not the goal. But hey, I'm not, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm not going to say no to the cash. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how how it how it started. And I've been a practicing lawyer like six six years now, seven years. I'm feeling old, but yeah. And um, and the art has kind of grown along with that. It's I probably do something artistic every single day um, for myself. And I feel like, why not monetize it, right? Like, I think that we have these God-given talents and we often pigeonhole ourselves into our careers as if that's, you know, the only thing that we can do. Um, But you can have your full-time career and then also monetize the other talents that God has given you. Absolutely. And and, uh, this is something that you have done well. I, I see your presence online. I see how people are giving you recognition. Uh, the, 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 when they requested that you paint that mural, they knew that what they were going to get. They knew that that was like a high level piece uh, in Harvard Square. And I've seen a few um, um, pieces that they've done, you know, like uh, writing articles about yeah. you. Yeah. So people are starting to notice. And, and it's funny because usually, you know, like the, the, in the world I come from, you know, like the, the eighties and nineties and everything, like it, we don't see that often, you know, like yeah. the corporate world or the lawyer part yeah. and then <laughs> being as good as an artist and then living both at the same time with n- yeah. no interference. You know what I mean? Like totally. it's, 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 it's innovative and especially with your handle. Uh, I mean, your s- signature is your Instagram handle. That's right. like another innovation. I don't, I'm not saying that like no one does it, but that's crazy because as soon as someone sees it, they're able to find you online. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's a great, like, I think people are hearing this and they understand the artistic people will know that we have to change. You know, we used to sign like the old times, you know, like we right. do a nice little signature, but yeah. who says that's how we have to do it? You know, totally. like, Outside and the no box. one knows what that thing says. So, you know, you might as well. <laughs> exactly. No, but <laughs> you know? outside, thinking outside the box, you just like, that's one part of it, you know? Yeah. That's totally. awesome. So if you had to give a little advice on people that want maybe to follow the path, meaning yeah. that being a professional and being someone that invests time in their passion and monetize mm-hmm. it, what mm-hmm. skill do you need to have in order to do both and be good yeah. at both? without one interfering with, with the others? Like, what, what would you tell them to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I would say um, time management is a, big, is a big thing, right? Like, I think that you do, when you, when you start up a side hustle or you decide, like, okay, I'm also going to do this passion, you need to remember that, like, if you do also have a full-time job, you can't let that slack because of your other work, right? Like, there are people who are paying you for your services. There are people that you need to be accountable to. So I think that one thing is you want to make sure that you are still putting, you know, your main job or whatever you want to call it first and that you are giving to them what you promised them, right? So if you are in a job that expects you to be working nine to five, you should be expecting yourself to be dedicating that time there. That being said, you actually have a lot more free time than you think, right? And so I think when you decide to carve out that free time to do something else, first of all, it helps if it's something you actually like, right? Or else you're going to feel like all you do is work, which is not a way, a way to live your life. <laughs> no. But like I paint while watching TV. Like I'm not like, you know, 
locked up somewhere. Like when I'm painting, like my husband's like at the table next to me, like on his laptop, you know, I'm not sacrificing family time. I'm not sacrificing the things that I enjoy, but if I've decided that this is something that I want to do and something that I want to monetize, then I need to carve that time out of my day. Right. And so I would say time management is, is a large skill. I would say enjoying what you do is really important, but then I would also say dedication, right? Dedication and organization. So like you were saying, we are living in a world where there is an online presence. We are living in a world Um, where we have so many more tools to our disposal than we used to for us to do things by ourselves. Like you don't need a coder to set up a website anymore. No. Like I'm literally so bad at technology. I was like squarespace.com, holla at your player. Like, what can you do for me? Because I literally have no idea, you know? And it took me like 30 seconds, you know, take photos of your work. If you're selling something, Like we have cameras at our disposition 100% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need professional photo shoots anymore, right? Like take photos of your work as you're doing it. Like have your partner set up a little camera so that you can do, um, what are they called? The the speeding up time thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So time-lapse. Time-lapse. I told you I'm bad at technology. No. Um, (laughs) So that you can do time-lapse like while you're doing your work. Like if you sell jewelry, for example, or... Like you're selling clothing, like be your own marketing, wear your clothes, wear your jewelry, right? Like you don't need professional models anymore. Get your friends to put your stuff on and post on their own Instagrams. Like I think that we are in a time where it's actually so much easier to start our own thing. And so if you've decided that it's something that you want to do, it's really about weaving it into the rest of your life. Absolutely. So um, I think I think that that's kind of the way to 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 get it done. Yeah. And, and, and you were talking about um, doing your own marketing and right now it's, it's been a few, maybe a few years about that. that it's so important now user generated content. Yeah. People love that. Like when they see real people using real products, instead mm-hmm. of doing super professional movie like things, they, it's like people are more drawn to the story of the, you know, like the small company becoming big. It's like the underdog oh. story getting built. Like people want to connect. And, and, and you see more startups now, like more mm-hmm. uh, ways of getting money, like pe- venture capital, like everyone wants to in- be involved and put money towards innovation. We're a generation right now that is really focused on finding yeah. the next thing. So right. we're there. So we, we might as well be out there and try to bring value to what we're doing and then showing it like you're saying we don't need to get too, mo- too, too much, uh, too many professional involved. We can do it. We have the tools, and then Google is there. So and and right. and, and then the tutorials on, on YouTube, like they're awesome. Like people are giving you free advice and then free courses. Like so totally. So totally. it is it is possible to be uh, to be better at this. Um, right now, I was thinking about something like. You, you kept working during COVID, but did COVID yeah. affect you? Like, I mean, work, because I know every state is different. Canada mm-hmm. is different. Like, mm-hmm. were, they, were there any time where there was confinement, where you couldn't go out? Like, yeah. like how did it affect your daily routine? Um, like, you know, like just a quick idea yeah. of how you got through it and how you kept your motivation high. Totally. COVID definitely hit, hit me hard. Like, I got super lucky. Um, that I got to keep my job. And so my husband got to keep his job as well. And so from that that perspective, we were really lucky. Um, but we were both working from home in a 
tiny two bedroom apartment in Cambridge. Um, we didn't have any like official mandated lockdowns in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, but we were like super careful pretty early. So while restaurants were still open, we weren't going out. I would say probably for the first two months, we we like had our own self-imposed lockdown. We would like maybe go on 10 minute walks outside. And that's that's really it. Okay. Um, and so I think that the the other hard thing besides kind of you know, love my husband more than anything, but being cramped in a tiny apartment with just another person all the time um, is that my favorite part of my job is how much time I get to spend with people and how much I get to invest in people and how much, you know, person to person contact there is. And it is way harder to conduct interviews and hear about traumatic stories on Zoom. Right. Yes. And so I, I think that that like it's, it's made my work harder um, there's Zoom fatigue. I'm exhausted. The people talking to me on the other end are exhausted. But I think that we are really cognizant of how lucky we have been to have our jobs and and keep our source of income and not really have to have any huge changes to our lifestyle. My husband's from Italy um, originally, like not Italian American, like Italian Italian, thick accent, like wine for lunch Italian. And <laughs> so you know, in July we fled to Italy. We went to Naples. We were there for three months. We we're going to go for three weeks. So we went for three months. We we're like, listen, we're working remotely. Why not work remotely where we're going to be like fed very well um, and where the COVID cases are better. So we were actually had a little bit of a break because while we were there, um, COVID in the South of Italy was like way better than it was here. Oh, so, so, so that, that was the way to do it. I will say if we're talking about innovation, everybody who is sitting at home, and working remotely, I would say, ask yourself why you're at home. We are, for the first time in our lives, at a place where we can work from anywhere. Like, you want to be in Jamaica? Where are you, where are you in your house? If there's internet connection, there's Wi-Fi, internet. you know, no, literally. but you're right, you're right. <laughs> no, but literally, we were like, wait a second, it's cold here, why are we here? You know what I mean? Like, if you have the means, right, like, God willing, you can literally pick up and go anywhere in the world. Everywhere has Wi-Fi for the first time. So, you know, we did that. We took the opportunity to do that. And, and that was really great. Um, then I think the thing that people don't realize about COVID as well is like, we're all dealing with this global tragedy. But on top of that, people are still having their personal tragedies, right? So unfortunately, at the same time as COVID, like my grandmother died. We had all, all this big family stuff going on. And so I think, you know, our stress levels were already peaking. Um, so, you know... Yeah, I've, I've really, what I've done is try to spend more time with God, be, in the, be reading the Bible more just to keep me together. Because I will say COVID has been super hard emotionally for me, even though I know how lucky I, I've been, um, you know, absolutely from, from a practical sense. Yeah. And, and it's affecting many, many people in different ways, depending on your age group, depending on your uh, marital status. Like imagine like a young 18 year old single um, that was waiting to live his life where he could connect with others, you know, friends, you know, meet new people, like, you know like what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. I can't imagine me being a, a young teenager or a young adult and then not having anybody being alone. Yeah. Imagine being alone during this time. Especially in, in Canada, we had like, uh, like lockdowns where no restaurants, mm. no everything, like we would have to stay home. And, and I feel it, like it's, it affects, I'm so... 
um, thankful and blessed to have a family. I have my wife yeah. and my kids. So it's easy to keep your bubble, you know, like your family bubble and right. do your things. But it, I, I, I feel for everyone that's, you know, like living this time. And it's, it's a hard time and it's been long, you know, since March. Yeah. You know, so it's going, uh, but I have hope. I'm, I'm optimistic. I know people can get through it and yeah. we can actually make le- lemonade with any lemon they throw at us. We are, we are Absolutely. innovators, you know, so I think we can, we can get ahead of it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're, we'll find opportunities because there is opportunity with all of that's happening, you know, opportunity right. to reach people, opportunity to connect at a different level, opportunity, yeah. even financial opportunities, you know, like um, many things. So the world is changing, like I said, and um, we are looking at a transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, things are going to be a little different. People may be working from home for a little bit, a longer time, even if COVID yeah. is not there, because people are going to realize, why am I commuting? Why am right. I wasting two hours of my time on the road <laughs> if I can right. do the exact same work yeah. from home? Why do you want to see me every day? You know what I mean? Like we're changing the ideas because we're doing this because that's how we were told that was the right way. Even your boss didn't know why he wanted to see you there. You know, like he was following procedure. You know what I mean? Totally. (laughs) So we're changing. Yeah, I I feel like uh, that's the one good thing is like the older generation is realizing there's literally no reason for us all to be in the office all the time. So you know. even meetings, like, okay, yeah. sometimes you want to see someone, but we did meetings. We, we survived. Or my, my job kept going. Like, right. we, <laughs> we did it. Totally. And then you could even say that we didn't see big differences. We still right. answer emails. We still right. do meetings through, through Zoom. We have presentation, <laughs> PowerPoint, same thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, I bet people are more productive too, mm-hmm. right? Because now you're working the hours that work for you. Like exactly. nine to five is like a weird, you know, time that was made up for the old system. That's not the way we work anymore. Some people work way better for 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., you know? Absolutely. And then they're done. So and I then think it's great. What we do also is we are cutting the commute time. We're saving a lot of time per week just right. taking your car and then staying stuck in traffic. That's another thing that I'm happy. I don't like traffic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, um, but this, I, like I said, I'm optimistic. I know it's going to be okay. Yeah, for sure. So I had a question for you. How, um, it's, it's all about like what I've seen from you, and I'm going to try and, and explain that really quickly here. Yeah. I think your power, okay, the word that's coming to mind is sensitivity, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to explain the definition, scientific definition of sensitivity. It's the property of a living being to react adequately to changes in the environment. And the mm-hmm. word adequately is important. Yeah. So I see you're working as a lawyer in a specific field where it's human rights. Yeah. And I see that you are an artist and you focus a lot on faces. Yeah, I've looked at all your pieces, like 75, 80% is face or human, <laughs> a, a human yeah. being. You know, it's not abstract. Yeah. It's like yeah. a human face or body. And you work with different types of material. You know, you work with beads, you work with threads, you embroider pieces, uh, you use like acrylic painting, wood, uh, everything. You're like 
doing all of that. And I, and again, the word is sensitivity. Why am I saying that? It's because I think that the two work looks different, but they're the same. At the, you know what I mean? Like, I feel mm. that there's a connector with it Yeah. because yeah. your empathy, your connection to humans, your connection to people is helping you be a good lawyer, a good um, um, human rights lawyer, and a great artist at the same time because of that, that, that sensitivity. Because just by looking at your painting, my favorite one is Falling Angel. Falling mm. Angel? Yeah. Um, I, I can feel emotions in the picture. I don't mm. know how to explain that. I look at it and it's, there's feelings. I don't know mm. how you do that. You, like you do, even if it's painting or threads, like there's an, like it's speaking emotion. Like there's an emotion attached to the pieces that you do. So I think that's your power. That's your superpower. It's your sensitivity. And I think you can transmit that, you know, you're yeah. welcome. And, and I feel that that's, that's you, you know, and you're able to transmit that to people around you either by your work as a lawyer or either with your work as an artist. And I think that's why people are drawn to your work because, you know, like it's a piece there, not speaking, not doing anything, but someone looks at it and they feel like yeah. they're feeling the message. Yeah. And thank you so much. You're welcome. But that's, that's what I see. That's what I feel. And mm-hmm. I feel also something that's called confidence. I don't know, like, if you're okay, like, uh, if you agree with me, but I feel yeah. there's a lot of confidence because when you tell me the story about how you started showing your pieces, uh, showing your art, you talk about it with so much ease, like it's nothing, but I've met many painters that are scared to show their work. I've met yeah. great painters that don't want people to see what they're doing. They keep it locked down. And yeah. I'm like, guys, like, it's awesome. It, it should be out there. And then people mm. are scared to be judged. I don't know how, you just, you know, you dismiss that. You're like, yeah, you put it out there. So how, how did you get to just yeah. do that? <laughs> no, that, that, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I, I definitely have been scared to show my work. And I, even like now, every time I post something new, I'm like, oh, I hope people like it. Um, but I think that you just, so one thing I, I will say, I think that there is a big difference between when your, your art is your only means of financial gain, right? And when it's not. So for me, the advantage that I had was that I was able to fail in my artwork without it hurting more than my ego, right? Or hurting more than my feeling. Like it was like, I'm still going to have money to have a roof over my head. I'm still going to be able to eat. And so I think that that's already a huge obstacle. Of course, there's still the emotional side, but there's a huge obstacle that like it removes an aspect of fear from 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 your work because you're able to just do what you want without being worried about the, the real material consequences. I would say that like, you know, what is it? It's like that quote that's like courage is not not being afraid. It's being scared and doing it anyways. Uh, like, yeah. I... I wouldn't say that like when I first started showing my art, you know, I was going into it super confidently, but I think that I knew that I was making something that mattered to me. And I knew that I, I hoped that it would connect with at least one person. And if it didn't, then it didn't. Right. But I think we also have to remember like a lot of great artists, probably most great artists were super underrated at their time. Right. The people that we now look at as, 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 you know, the, the mothers and fathers of the art world. And so I think that, 
there's also this this idea when you're an artist that part of being an artist is often being misunderstood. And so, you know, I'll look back now at some of my earlier stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I showed that to people. I did not know what I was doing. But, you know, I think there's also part of having grace for yourself and and feeling proud of something that you made and wanting to share it with people, even if you know that not everyone will get it. And maybe even most people will get it. But if one person walked into a room and is kind of taken aback by something that you made, I think that that is like such an honor. And I think that 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 is a way that you have made an impact on a life, even if for a fleeting moment. Um, So I think that you just have to focus on the potential um, and and kind of try to quiet the voices in your head screaming like, please don't do this. (laughs) Do not embarrass us, you know? Absolutely. And you said it. It's being able to still do what you are scared of. That's courage. Yeah, it's going forward. It's moving forward. Even if the the the, the voice is telling you, "Don't do it. Stay yeah. in your comfort zone. Yeah. Don't, why are you doing this? You know, it's not necessary." <laughs> and you still because you know, you know, like you know that it's for the good, and and you want to share, you know, right. and and thank you for doing that because the pieces are extraordinary. Like thank when you. people are gonna go see it, like literally, like and. I want you to explain why faces, because I've seen so many faces and they're all different and they all speak, but why faces? Everyone asks me that. And I really wish I had like a super cool, like (laughs) artist answer. And like, I could make one up in live, but I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. It's always been like that. Like when I look at literally my mom is the cutest and she has a painting framed in the guest bathroom of a painting I literally did in 1992. So I was three years old. Wow. Um, And it's just like, it's actually pretty good. Like I was like, okay, girl, at three years old, I see you. But it's like a huge face. And I think, I'm not sure why, but I think that, um, you know, even though I'm terrible with names, I'm good with faces. Like it's the way that I remember people. Yes. Um, I think that your face says so much about who you are um, and faces have always just been like really interesting to me and the way that I connect with people. Um, And they've always just been what I've drawn to. Like when I sit down with a blank canvas, I just automatically start to draw a face. Um, I really don't have like a super. No, you you have the explanation. (laughs) You were three and you knew already that you wanted to draw faces. And and that's awesome because it's the expression of humans. That's where we express our humanity. We don't express it like, yes, we do body language, but like most of our communication comes from our faces. And as babies, we come to like, we, we are born and then we watch the faces of people that love us over us, you know, like hover over us. And then we are connected to that face and we learn recognition. We learn faces, we learn patterns. And I think it stayed with you and with your creative mind, it's still with you to this day. And and that's, and that's the strongest part maybe about your art because most great, like, let's say a great skater, they started yeah. at three, four, a great yeah. like player, like hockey player. It's big in Canada. Like they, yeah. they, they started like at three, four. So yeah. you faces has been with you since that age. So you're like a master at faces. You know what I mean? Well, thank you. <laughs> no, no, but the explanation is there. So it, yeah. And, and yeah. you never fought it. You're like, I, that's what I yeah. did. Yeah, I, was like, kept, I guess you kept doing it. You're <laughs> totally. gonna change. You're gonna be like, I'm tired of facing. No, you you yeah. perfected your 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 skill. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you so much. Yeah. 
So now I have a question. Tell me. Who inspires you? Like, who do you look up to? Like, is there anyone around you, like mentors, like people yeah. you see and you're like, okay, like I'm good, but I want to be a little bit, you know, like yeah. closer to that level. So Totally. There are so many people who inspire me. But when you ask that question, I think the first two people who come to mind are my mom and my grandma. And actually on different, so my mom and my dad's mother, so the, mm-hmm. the women on different sides of my family. My, my grandma, to start with her, she was a teacher in Haiti in the school. There's a, a school in, in Haiti called Prosper. So, you know, shout oh. out to my last name. Yeah. And so she started this school with my grandfather, her husband. Um, and he was the principal of the school and she was a teacher. And then when he died, he died when she was super young. She was like 40. And she kept up the school and like did all of these things. And she was just one of the kindest, most generous people that I know. I went to Haiti. I brought my husband to Haiti for the first time um, a couple of years ago for my grandma's 90th birthday. And I swear at least 300 people just like rolled in and out of her house all day just to say happy birthday to her. She was such a pillar in her community. And to me, she was like the definition of grow where you're planted. Like she knew that her purpose was to give to the people around her. Like when I was getting married, I was like, oh, grandma, where's my mom's wedding dress? Remember, this is not her daughter. This is her son's wife. I was like, oh, do you know where my mom's wedding dress is? I want to wear it for like the rehearsal dinner or something. She was like, oh, I gave that away to somebody who needed it like years ago. (laughs) I did this like leadership program. I met this Haitian guy who at the time I was probably like 28 or something. I met this Haitian guy who was like 45. And he was like, I'm from Haiti. I was like, oh yeah, me too. He said, really? Your last name isn't Haitian. I said, oh yeah, it's because I took my husband's last name, but my maiden name is Prosper. And he said, wait a second. Oh, that's so funny. The school I went to is named Prosper. I said, oh really? That's my grandparents' school. And he said, Claire Prosper is your grandmother? I was like, yeah. It's like, how is she? She changed my life. Like literally, like we didn't have any money. We couldn't afford any school. She was like, don't worry about it. I don't know how the school didn't go bankrupt because they they basically never had anybody pay for it. (laughs) She fed all of the children in the school. Like they always had meals there. Like, you know, she was the one to push him forward. And I meet this guy who's like super high up in, in Massachusetts, like in the sciences. I meet him at this leadership program and literally a random Haitian guy remembers my grandmother from like, you know, 40 years, 30 years, 40 years later because of the impact that she had on his life. And I think for me, it's the the biggest goal that you can have in life is to, even in small ways, make somebody, make people feel loved and make people feel worthy. And she was so good at that with such a generous spirit um and really literally like impacted every life that she's touched um and and so i'm super inspired by her and her journey and then my mom like super independent woman like you know haiti in the 80s my dad proposed her like four times she was like no man i don't want to be married i'm not gonna be anybody's wife i don't want to be anybody's mother i'm out here all right like i'm mad educated i'm not gonna sit at home with you people right? like the fourth time he proposed she was like fine so she was like fine i'll marry you but no children course she gets pregnant on her honeymoon with my brother poor thing you know so and then they decided to to go ahead and have me and um she 
just like so smart and so strong and unfortunately got a really rare degenerative illness when she was like super young and she had to stop working and you know she gets worse every day because it's a degenerative illness but like she is the strongest person that I know by far and she still has like such this outlook on life where she's still looking for ways to like have purpose and help people and be of use, right? Like I think the hardest thing for her has been that she, there have been times that she has felt that she's not of use. And I did, I did a whole show called An Ode to My Mother um, back in December that was all about her um, and, and who she is and, and who she's been. Um, she's the most independent person that I've met who's, and she's lost so much of her independence due to this illness, but like is still such a pillar and is still so so herself and I'm so kind of like impressed by her and in awe of her every day. Um, so, you know, lots of famous people who inspire me and activists and things like that. But when you ask that question, the people who popped in my head are those, those two women who have really and kind of shaped Absolutely. And, and I'm yeah. really sorry about, about your mom. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that she's really proud of you and she can see her teachings and you, you know, like yeah. you look like you're independent, you're doing what you love. Yeah. I don't think she could be asking for more. So, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. So no, I, I, I it's an awesome answer because the, the people that are closest to you, the, 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 they're especially in Haiti. I'm, I'm, I understand that the women is the pillar of society in Haiti. Yeah, we've seen it. We know it. We know our men in Haiti. We know our women. We know it's two different upbringings. The the way yeah. they see life, and I've always seen women as a force. And and I think they're. Like the the whole potomitan they call it in Haiti, yeah. you know, like the the pillar of 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 our society. So yeah. it's it's awesome that you have that in your life, and and like you said, you've met people that didn't have that, you know, yeah. and, and and you feel for them because you know how important it is to have great minds and and yeah. and, and and people to look up to around you and your family right. and people that don't have that, you understand why it's hard for them to actually do something better than what they're doing because. Unfortunately, if you don't have that motivator, that 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 person, and, and giving you love from the start, yeah, it's hard to to be an adult now and then believe in yourself because no one else believed in you the way right. they believed, you know. Right. So, and, and I can feel it because I had that, you know, I had that structure, yeah. I had that love, you know, like like it's in, indescribable, and that's yeah. why I understand why you are drawn to giving back and helping. Yeah, yeah. So right now, you are at a state in your life. Where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Like, like Ooh. with the whole world changing and everything, yeah. you know, like this uncertainty. But I know, talking to you right now, like you, you have your plans. You know what you want to do. Like, how? What's your outlook? Like, how do you feel about it? About the future? Yeah, I feel super excited about the future. Um, I feel like. We are at a very difficult time in our history, but I think that that's also like a time of reckoning, right? Between racial justice and everything that's been going on in the US and police brutality in general with things that have been going on in Nigeria and the pandemic and people losing their jobs and realizing, you know, how at least in the US, the the financial system and the the social nets are really not there to support people. Um, I think that we're like at a shifting point. And so I think that I have a lot of of hope for the future in general. Um, as far as myself, you know, hopefully 
some babies running around the house that I'm, you know, yelling at and, and chasing <laughs> after and making do homework. Um, I see myself continuing to work in the in the field that I love, whether it's civil rights in the U.S. or ending up doing international human rights work. Um, my husband and I have both like lived in a lot of different places and been super open to moving all over the world. So I have no idea where we'll be living. But I think that that is another cool thing about, like you were talking about innovation and the digital world is I really feel like in 10 years, I'll be able to do anything from anywhere. And we'll have so much more flexibility in making my life work for me and the way that, that, that that's shaped and making work work for me um, and hobbies work for me. So yeah, I'm super hopeful. I think it's, it's going to be one of the easiest times to um, quote unquote, have it all. Absolutely. And then yeah. at the same time, you still are able to impact as many lives wherever yeah. you go, because humans will be humans and they, they need that, you know, like that, that, that bandaid for the soul. Everyone's hurting somewhere from something. Right. So if we can actually bring a little bit of, of, of help, you know, easing the pain and, mm -hmm. and trying to, to maybe uplift people, inspire people, give them that, that courage that we were talking about to move forward yeah. and, and that confidence. I think that's, that's a big thing. And then because everyone has their own needs and their own wants, but the only thing we all have is the same fears. So right. if we can take a little bit out of the fear and give them a little bit of hope, they can actually create their own passions and do, do great, you know? Yeah. So anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. And with yeah. the digital age, you could be, in Africa and still affecting someone in the U.S. or yeah. South America, you know? So it's a great time, like you're saying, a great time yeah. to be alive. So we're totally. enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So what is your take on spirituality and beliefs? So how important is that for a human? Like, yeah. I know it's important for you, but what, what, is, what would you suggest? Because in the world that we're living, it's sometimes taboo to talk about religion, but now yeah. I'm talking about spirituality and beliefs. Like, yeah deep down in your mind? Like, what, what would you say? Yeah, I think it's super important. You know, frankly, I, I, I don't know how people who don't have a spiritual life do it because, like, life can be super hard. Um, and I think, you know, I can only speak from my own experience, but, like, that's certainly been an, been an anchoring. Um, faith is super important to me. I didn't really become, like, a religious person or come to faith at all until I was 19. So it's not, like, something, like... I grew up that way and I just did, you know, what my parents raised me to do. It wasn't like that at all. And so for me, the most important thing I think for people is to have a personal relationship with God, right? Like, I think that there can be great structures within, you know, traditional religion and that like um, church is super important in, in creating community and being in a place where you can be with like-minded people. But I think that the core of it is really your personal relationship with God and how much you invest in that. And, um, you know, I think for me, that's been kind of the only overlaying um, constant of peace in my life with all of the turmoil and with all of the changes, right? And I think that like people often have the misconception that like if you have a faith in God, life will be better. But I actually don't think that that's true at all or biblical it just helps you deal with life better, right? It doesn't yes. make, make life itself better. Um, and so I think it's super important for people to invest in their spiritual lives. 
Um, and, and I'm intentional when I say invest because I think it is an investment. I think it's one of the things that's the easiest to leave by the wayside when you're busy and you're running around and, you know, the other demands of life are calling it you. But I think it's like an imperative part of self-care and of purpose. Like I think when we were talking about the confidence thing, there is a different kind of underlying power that comes with a belief that 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 your life has purpose and a belief that you're not doing everything by uh, like by yourself and for yourself. Right. Absolutely. And so when you have that underlying purpose and when you have that belief that 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 you're doing things or at least trying to do things out of an overflow of a personal relationship with God, it helps you move forward even when you're scared to do things right. Like Moses had a stutter and he had to be talking to Pharaoh. You know, he was out there like scared, you know, you know what yes. I mean? Um, yeah. And so I, I think I think that like for me, that's certainly been imperative in, in my life. And um, I think it looks different for a lot of different people. Um, I really have a problem with the idea that like, you know, faith has to look the same for everybody or the idea that like, you know, even that Christianity looks like white evangelical American Christianity, because that's not what it looks like to me. Um, but I think it's, it's about being rooted in your personal relationship with God. And if that's across time, cultures, different expressions um, of, of, of love and of, of, um, of spirituality. Absolutely. And, and you said something, uh, a key thing is when people think that they can put everything on their shoulders and they're alone facing yeah. the world. And I've met, you know, friends, people that take everything upon themselves, like everything that's happening, it's on them. And then I tell them like, just with a little bit of spirituality, you yeah. could just take some of the weight and share it with something right. bigger than yourself and take a little bit of the weight. Why are you keeping all of it on you? Like just right. let it go, you know, like give it back to the universe. Like just, but no, sometimes, right. and it's okay because it's a process. Like you said, right. you, it has to be an investment the same way some people spend all their money and don't, invest or don't put it in savings it's the same thing it's a Absolutely. it's a conscience action you yeah. have to put yourself into that mood and to that mindset and mm -hmm. thank you for sharing uh, about yeah of course yeah so you were talking about um leadership and yeah. um i've been doing my own journey in leadership uh, i would like to, for you to if you have any uh share a few books suggestions you know like Ooh. that have impacted you you know like a few, a few titles okay i would say the two big ones that come to mind are just mercy it's about brian stevenson he's like this incredible lawyer he graduated law school at like 22 and then moved to the south by himself to start representing people on death row and so even though you know, you don't think when you think of that book, you don't think of it necessarily as a book about leadership. Like to me, the amount of leadership and confidence it takes to take on like that big of a burden and, and you know, do something that serious to be representing these people at the age of 22, like straight out of law school is just insane. So I highly recommend it. Super inspiring. He's one of the people that really inspires me, too. And, and they do have a movie out, but definitely read the book. Um, and then another one is a negotiation book. I, I feel awful. I forgot the name of the author, but it's called Getting to Yes. And it's like a more traditional leadership book, but it really talks about negotiation strategies and the way to kind of get people to get onto the same page as you and, and show them 
why they should be invested in the same things that you're invested in and want the same outcomes that you want. Absolutely. Two great books. Um, I've heard about Getting to Yes. Didn't read it yet, but it's a book I want to read, especially uh, on my leadership uh, journey here. Uh, Just Mercy. um, That's awesome. So I'm going to look at that. And thank you for sharing. So another question I asked is about financial confidence. How mm. how important do you think of a person's financials are? Um, because every, pe- every person has like a way to look at money. Some people mm. think it's more important than others. Like what, what's your take on that? What's your take on fin- financial confidence? That's a super hard question. I mean, I think that, you know, it's hard when you talk about money because it, it's, it's, it really depends on the opportunities that people have had, right? And so we know that how much money we have is like not at all often related to how hard we work or, or, or you know, how much money we deserve. It's often related to like a bunch of different societal factors. And so I think that to the extent that you are able to save money and um, provide for yourself as far as the necessities, that's something that is important to try to do as young as you can, right? Like I think sometimes young people feel like, you know, I'm young, I want to live my life, I want to take these trips, I want to do these things. I definitely think it's important to like, you know, carve out a little a little bit of money to do at least like one big fun thing a year. But I think that we do make a mistake when we wait too long to start saving or to start being financially literate. And there's so many free resources online about financial literacy, about saving, about investment. And I think that, you know, as a general matter, we tend to just not think of those things until until we're older. And I think that like the younger you learn about those things, the easier it will be to manage your money. And it's not something that's taught in school. It's not something that a lot of our parents teach us. So, you know, I would definitely recommend people kind of looking into those things for themselves. But at the end of the day, I don't think that money is is particularly important as long as you can provide the basics, right? Absolutely. Kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of of necessity. If you have the shelter and the food and the safety, then the rest of it is really up to how you want to live your life. Absolutely. And then someone knowing exactly what they want, they can actually put a number on what they want. And usually, you know, what's funny is when you put numbers, like you start adding it up, it doesn't take that much money to be happy yeah. at the end because you're like, oh, okay, I just need that much money and I get what I want. Right. You know, people have that great idea of having like a set number, you know, like a million dollar or something. Right. Like it's easy to say, but at the end of the day, you don't need all that. Like right. you said, if you can have everything as a necessity and a little bit more maybe to share, you know, like just right. enough to invite people in and totally. sharing and then things like that. I think that people would be maybe happier with a set goal. And yeah. like you said, also being literate about finances, knowing how to keep your credit card in check, knowing how right. your credit score work because it's right. a whole other world, right. understanding how you put your numbers up so you can have better uh, rates when you get, you know, your, 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 your loans and actually being able to use debt at your, in your advantage, you know, when right. you're buying like a, a rental uh, type uh, a property, like you're trying to, do other things it's it's important to understand it like you said early because yeah it, it took me years to get it totally to me too, <laughs> me too. Yeah. especially coming from haiti didn't understand like that the system was really strict you know uh, right. about how you spend and even how much money you save like they check right. everything like everything is connected with your score 
Right. So, but now I understand it pretty well. So yeah, <laughs> doing yeah good. for sure. <laughs> so, what does success mean to you? You know, we were talking about money. I I see what what you you meant about like the financial, the money part. But what, yes. what does success in a person's life mean to you? Yeah, I think it just means peace, like peace with with your life and the way that you've built it. Peace with yourself and the way that you treat others and the way that you you contribute to the world and i think because it's such like a big generic definition it looks different for a lot of different people right which is the great thing and the biggest mistake people make is like trying to imitate others too much or think that like if their path is different than another person's path they're doing it wrong and i think if you're at a place where you can say that you um are at peace with the decisions that you've made and are at peace with with the way that you treat other people, um, then you're living a pretty successful life. Absolutely. Yeah. And now I have I have two questions. Um, okay. It's pretty much uh, questions about your success and seeing how you reacted to it. To mm-hmm. it, and just just tell me what comes to your mind. How did you feel when you were approached by Culture House to do the mural in Harvard Square? Oh, I felt super honored like just honored and happy and humbled. I spent so much time in humble in Harvard Square because it's like very close to where I live and I walked by it all the time when I was in law school. So to have my work there and have so many people see it um, meant a lot. So yeah, the first thing I would say I felt was honored for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you should be because it's a big, big thing. Seriously, yeah. I, I saw the, the final product uh, on a picture and It's, it's marvelous. And then like there's foot traffic like there, yeah. you know, like it's a key place, you know, so totally. it's a yeah. big thing. It's a big Thank thing. You. Yeah. You're welcome. So how did you feel when you appeared in an article from uh, WBUR, The Artery? Yeah. Uh, it's the uh, art and culture team of Boston's NPR news station. Yeah. Again, I mean, I feel like a broken record, but honored. Like, I think I just, I didn't especially with my art, every new thing that happens, I'm like surprised and feel so um, honored and, and like happy really that my work is connecting with, with other people and that other people can see what I, what I see in it. Um, and it, it definitely gives me the fuel to, to keep moving forward and to, to keep sharing my work and um, gives me some confidence to be more creative and try new things. And um, so I felt like super honored to be, featured and, and, um, you know, to have, have another platform to share my work with people. Absolutely. And just going back to, uh, Maslow's pyramid, pyramid of, of needs is yeah. you're, 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 you know, you're reaching yeah. some levels there, you know, like <laughs> getting the, uh, appreciation and recognition of your peers. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. pretty high in the, in the pyramid. So yeah. not everyone has that, You know, so yeah. cherish all of that because you are doing good and I'm sure that you're bringing happiness to people around you. You're sharing back and uh, I can see it, you know, in your work and, and how you do. And that's why people give you all of that attention because they see the genuine, like, want to help, you know? It's not, yeah. it's not something that we find really easily in this world where yeah, it's you. all superficial and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah but uh no awesome so if you could go back in time okay yeah. and you had to give your 20 year old self some advice like mm. you could talk to you and, and and knowing what you know now you know yeah. like 
with all this experience, what would you tell a 20 year old, your 20 year old self? I would probably say you're doing the best you can and cut yourself some slack. And life is longer than it seems, even though it seems short. And, you know, everyone, um, no one knows what they're doing either. You know, <laughs> we're all trying. There's not going to be some point where you're big enough or old enough or experienced enough to go for it. So go for it now. You know, the people who are successful and the people who are doing the things that they love are the people who gave themselves a chance. And I think that when I was 20, I was just like so scared of messing up that I, I rarely gave myself a chance. And I felt like everybody knew more than I did. But they didn't. They were just, you know, more willing to take risks than I was. So I think that's what I would tell myself, for sure. Absolutely. Very good advice. We, we should be more like that, you know, focusing on, on doing what we need to do right now instead of waiting for the right time, because sometimes yeah. the right time never appears to be the right time. Totally. We just need to take a, a leap of faith. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Exactly. So today we talked about inspiration, fueling innovation in a modern world and motion, the human touch. So we talked about thinking outside the box. We talked about how to connect with your environment, how to adapt and how to adequately react to that environment. And we talked about the future. And also we talked about like what it meant to be successful, finding your true passions and doing what you can to find balance in your life. So we, we talked uh, about this with Valérie Imparado, and uh, it was an honor to have you with us at Real Talk Guidance. It's a place for hope, hard truths, and tough love. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome.